Hi, I'm Marina. I'm a health coach and this is The Why Matters, where I share with you my findings about well-being concerns which many of us face, such as overeating, stress, insomnia, gut problems, emotional burnout, lack of energy, you name it. Well, most of us can name it and are trying to fight it. In other words, we know what we're facing and are looking for how to fix it. But we are completely neglecting the why. Why we got here in the first place is the most crucial question we have to ask ourselves to find an effective way out which we all want and rightfully deserve. Your why truly matters, and that is why we're here. The whole idea why I decided to start this podcast was that I feel like when it comes to health, we very often focus on what and how's of the questions, like how to lose weight, what to eat to lose weight, but the why question is often ignored. And this season in particular, we're talking about why we are overeating, because overeating is the main problem why sometimes we can't lose weight or we find it very hard to maintain weight, or just any other physical and wellness goals. And of course, there are many physical reasons that have to account for it, such as hormones, for example, but very often it's emotional. And what I've seen from my personal experience and from working with clients is that very often our careers and our professional lives have to do with it. Sometimes when they don't provide us this sense of fulfillment or don't motivate us enough, we might feel this hole inside of us that we will be trying to fill in with food. Or sometimes when we don't maintain the work life balance that is so hard to maintain, we try to compensate it with food because it provides us this joyful moments of relaxation or sometimes just everyday stress that we don't really know how to deal with. And the overrating is not the problem itself, it's not the disease. On the contrary, it's the symptom. And that's why I'm so excited about our guest today, who is joining all the way from LA, Octavia Goridima, who is a renowned career coach and the founder of 2010 Agency. She also just recently published her new book, which is called Prep Push Pivot, published by Wiley, and she has coached amazing leaders at the companies we all heard about, read about, and probably some of us even want to work at, such as Google, American Airlines, Tinder, General Motors, Nike, and Dow Jones. And just when you might think that I can't say anything more to make you feel excited about today's guest, there is a cherry on top. Octavia is originally from England and she was appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire by the Queen in recognition of her amazing work. And she's such a great professional and I'm sure that we will all have to learn a lot after listening to this podcast. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Irina. So happy to be here. Just when I was reading your biography and like reading about the companies that you worked with and just as I was reading your book that you've just recently published and that became an absolute bestseller, I just wanted to learn more about your personal story behind it. How did you come to doing all of this and how long did it take you to reach this level and what were the obstacles on the way? Oh, thank you, Irina. So... I'm really proud of the work that I do as a career coach because I do work with employees at large companies and often I'm providing one-on-one coaching and it's in those conversations that I'm actually supporting individuals who are facing obstacles 
They're facing obstacles in their careers. They're trying to figure out what that next step should be. Or they know what that next step is and they're trying to achieve that promotion. Or they're trying to figure out how to balance being a working parent and still build your career. Or perhaps they're an underrepresented professional. My book, Prep, Push, Pivot. I wrote it for underrepresented women in the workplace. I'm a black woman myself. I know what it feels like often to be the only or one of very few. And so the common thread um, with the work that I do, even though I've coached individuals who work in an array of professions from film and television to science, to media, to to tech, um, is that helping people to figure out how to do their best work and helping people to figure out how to get unstuck and also to help people who perhaps aren't working right now get back to work and make that happen. And I started my career, I, I live in Los Angeles, I work across the United States and beyond, but I started my career in England, um, born and raised in England, um, educated in England, started my career in London. Um, I then moved to Los Angeles um, when I was transferred with the company that I was working with at the time. And I thought I was doing all the right things. Um, I was very invested in doing my best work, working hard. (laughs) But often there were things that were missing and there were things that were really invisible to anyone else because people might look at your LinkedIn profile or if you have a bio, read your bio and think, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. But there's so much that is unseen that goes into building your career. There's so much, there's often so much doubt, there are challenges, maybe difficulties with co-workers or your manager or even just figuring out what you want to do yourself. And so for me personally, it was when I worked with a coach for the very first time. And I, I I, met the coach that supported me completely by chance. I went to an event and she happened to be on the panel and she was just so amazing. And I was feeling really stuck at that time in my career. It was transformative to me, not only just in terms of me getting unstuck, but also in terms of me making a pivot of my own. And my book, Prep, Push, Pivot, one of the sections is talking about how to change careers. Um, I made a pivot of my own and left the career that I had before in public relations and decided to train to become a coach because the work that I did with my coach was just so impactful to me, but it also connected so many dots before. And with regards to my book, um, I am a first time author, but I knew my whole life I always wanted to be an author. And goodness, four or five years ago, I decided I was going to do this and I just wanted to see what would happen if I didn't give up and if I just kept taking steps towards that goal. And so, yes, I I committed to doing it. Um, my book was published in 2022 and it's a career coaching guide for underrepresented women. That sounds incredibly inspiring. And I should say that I can relate to many points that you've mentioned. Like I myself got my first higher education in a completely different field. I was originally supposed to be a data scientist. And <laughs> and yes, right now it might help me, you know, to set up this podcast studio a little bit because I understand these things better. But it wasn't just like aligning like with what I really like wanted to do. 
But just like you said, it might sometimes seem a bit scary to make this career change and to go into a completely opposite direction, like in my case, like into health coaching and nutritionist. And it might be so easy to postpone the things that you wanted to postpone. Like you were holding off like your book for quite a while. And I was so scared to start my own podcast for a very long time but here we are overcoming all of these fears and I think that both of us are very lucky because you know we're both doing something that we truly love doing that we both enjoy doing that we truly find pleasure in and um, I refuse to think of a career as just a way of making money and I actually think the other way around when you find something that truly serves you and truly aligns with your purpose, with your values, with who you are as a person, then like the financial rewards come as a cherry on top. But how would you say that in general our purpose, our meaning and our careers are related? Yes, that's such a great question. And to me, I think of purpose in terms of what motivates me the most, what gets me excited and what contribution I can make and what fulfills me. And each of us can define our purpose slightly differently and the answers to how we define that are very dependent also in our stages of life too. Perhaps when you're at the very early stages of figuring out what you're going to do and finding your first jobs, it's literally, you might be more open <laughs> to opportunities and ideas and actual questioning and trying to figure out what you're going to gravitate towards. And then there might be other moments in your career when you're actually, no, I I know I want to do health coaching or I know I want to start this podcast or I know I want to try writing a book and you're really laser focused on what that means. But I think getting that alignment that you talked about when you do have it so magical and it is it feels incredible I was talking to someone when I wasn't aligned with my work and the work that he was doing I was like what is it about it that um is so incredible to you and he's like Octavia when I'm when I'm doing it I'm just in a I just it just flows it just feels great I just want to do more and more of it and I remember listening to him and looking at him in wonder and I was like I'm not in that place yet. And that was one of the reasons why I knew I had to change careers and get to that space because it just seemed listening and seeing the look on his face. I was like, that's that's what I want to be. I didn't want to do the same job as him, but I wanted to be in in that space of flow. It's like, you know, when you're in love and you get this glow and you don't need a highlighter. And I think that you can be in love with your career as much as with like another person or a romantic partner. And I do understand what you mean because after every session, I have like butterflies in my stomach and I want to dance around. It's like coming back from a date for me. And what would you say is the requirement to having such a career? Like if someone doesn't feel this way, this way yet, what they can do to kind of create this career of their dreams? What should they do to feel empowered and motivated by it? Like, what are the first steps? Like, whether it's someone who is just in the beginning of their journey and, you know, is just out of university, or whether it's someone who is, like, feeling stuck because they have been doing what they're not enjoying doing for a long time. So, um, 
In my book, I talk about a concept which is so important to me, and it's something that I had to learn the hard way by not doing it in my career. And it's called cementing your career values. And your career values are really unique to you. And it starts with asking yourself a lot of questions. And it's questions like, what matters to you most personally when it comes to your career? What excites you? What do you want to do more of? What are you naturally good at? What energizes you? What sort of environments do you want to be in? And then answer those questions. But then also, if you are already working or if you already have some work experience, also think about what do you know you want to do less of? Things that you would want to let go of in terms of what you're already doing. And I think it's also important to know even when you have ideas about the things that you would want to gravitate towards or do more of or that energize you or that motivate you. It's also important to know what your non-negotiables are. Some of us need to earn a certain amount of money and that's important. Some of us need to be perhaps located in a certain area or region. Some of us know that we can't necessarily work weekends or some of us do need a more flexible schedule and sort of know and prioritizing what your non-negotiables are. But then also recognizing even when you find your dream career or that dream role, there are going to be bad days. There are going to be challenges. There might be people that you work alongside or clients that you might have that are difficult. <laughs> there might be times when you're on a steep learning curve. Um, there might be times when you need guidance. And yes, you have a manager, but that person can't do it for you. Or you don't have a manager and you don't have a mentor or a peer that you might be able to use as a sounding board. So you also have to understand that there isn't always a utopia and that that's why it's so important to know your career values and to know what matters most for you because when you are grounded and you have the right foundations, it can help you when you do have difficult days or when you have to troubleshoot or problem solve because you know you're moving in the right direction. What causes the most stress is when you're not where you want to be, you haven't really cemented your career values, your non-negotiables are not even present, you're doing all the things you don't want to do, and then you have difficult days on top of all of that. That's when it becomes almost impossible. Totally agreed. And um, I really like what you say that like this difference, like, of course, there will be challenges in any career. And when we're talking about career that suits you and the career that fulfills you, it doesn't mean that it's only sunny days. Sometimes it's going to be stormy, sometimes it's going to be cloudy. But as long as you know that you're headed in the right direction, that is like to say something that will give you the motivation to get you through it. And um, that is actually one of the signs for me that someone needs to change a career is actually their career or their job making them emotionally over it. Because, you know, we do over it very often when something in our lives doesn't align with our values or doesn't connect to our true self. And like you said, with our even career values, because they are essential. And this is for me a clear sign that a client or someone I'm working with uh, clearly needs a change. But I also know from personal experience, and you must have dealt with it, is that change is scary. And it's interesting because it is even scary from very biological perspective and from, I would say, even evolutionary 
because you know we live in 2023 but we still have very ancient parts of our brain and some subconscious habits haven't changed and back in the caveman days certainty was equal to safety if i'm certain where to find water tomorrow i know that i will survive but if I'm uncertain where to find fresh water tomorrow or where to find fresh sticks for the fire, then I might not survive. So I think that's why we are subconsciously wired to be afraid of this change. So what techniques do you give to your clients or what recommendations can you share to kind of not be afraid of this change? Because I can imagine since you worked with like high profile executives at Google, at Tinder, at General Motors, at American Airlines, that the further you get up that career ladder, the scarier it is to make the change because you have so much to lose. Absolutely. That's so true, Irina. And the further we progress with anything, the exactly as you said, it, it's very, very difficult to make a mistake potentially, to stumble, to set, to have a setback. And we also become hardwired as we start to build our work experience that we need to get things right. And so what we have to do, and I think it's very important to, do, to remember, is to let go of the feeling of I have to do things perfectly. The process of exploration and testing means that you will make what you might perceive to be mistakes. There will be stumbles, there will be setbacks, but we will learn from those things. And it's what we do next that matters. If we think back to when we're really small and you know, I, I have two daughters and so they're a constant reminder to me, when they were learning to walk, they would get up and they would fall. And they, when they fell, they wouldn't just stay there. <laughs> They'd laugh, <laughs> get up. <laughs> try again, do exactly the same thing and fall back down. But they kept, kept, they were wired to keep doing that until they figured it out. And at some point when we get older, we're afraid to even just stumble once. And if we stumble once, it's catastrophic sometimes when actually that's such an important step to learn that we can fall, we can get back up and we can try again or move in a different direction and learn from it. And I think it's also important to think about, well, what is the worst that could happen? And then what would I do if that worst thing did happen? And when you've actually thought through those things, you realize actually, I, I will be okay. If X happens, I'll try Y. And then you realize that, all you can do is just keep taking those steps. Also, it can help to talk to others or listen to others, such as on your podcast, who have maybe taken leaps before. It doesn't have to be the same leap that you're planning to make, but just knowing that other people have done it and worked through it will remind you that you can do those things too. And if you need direct support, I cannot emphasize this enough, find a coach who can work with you or an accountability partner who you can use as a sounding board because it can sometimes be very hard to do all of these things on our own for ourselves. I like what you said so much and especially when you just started talking about letting go of imperfection, it just connected somewhere on the deeper levels because there's so much alignment actually between what I tell my clients as well because I agree with you that it's such an essential skill to develop 
to let go of perfection and to let go of the idea that you have to do everything perfectly and you're such a good example with like a small kid who falls down tries again falls down tries again and eventually they do learn how to walk how to run like we can learn from them and this is something that I also tell my clients because you know when like talking about trying to improve your eating patterns or your eating behavior this letting go of perfection is also critically essential for even like your mental health because sometimes clients try too hard to do everything perfectly and then like when they make a tiniest mistake or just one misstep they believe that everything is ruined and they lose the motivation to ever try again and that is why letting go of this perfection is so important just because I think that sometimes striving for this perfection kind of kills the motivation and it's so surprising to know that not only in eating but also in careers and that is very 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 inspiring and um, I wanted to touch base on something that you mentioned earlier because when we were talking about the clouds in let's say perfect career dream scenario you mentioned workspace and colleagues this is something that has always worried me because I worked in startups but I've never had like an experience of working in a big corporate structure and I know and one of the reasons why I've never done it is because I was always afraid of the factors that I cannot control and you know you can control your own responses you can control your own actions but you cannot control other people yes and this causes so much stress for so many of us because exactly as you said, Arena, there are so many variables that can impact our career that we cannot directly control. So often when I'm working with individuals, the biggest obstacles they're facing involve other people and what other people's actions or behaviors and the ripple effects of those on the person that I'm working with. So the first things that I often recommend are let's get to the core of what the main issue is and then let's identify what you can control. Is there a conversation that you need to have with somebody? Is it that you need to perhaps adapt the way you work with somebody? Is it that there isn't a way forward potentially and you might need to look at other opportunities or avenues for you. It all comes back to focusing on what we can control in a situation and also going back to our career values questions and then really focusing on, well, what are the good things? What is working? What is it about the work that you do or you want to do or about your skills or the things you can do more of? What's missing? How can we perhaps fill that gap or address the issue in other ways? What additional support might you need? Now, of course, it all depends on what the challenge is and it all depends on what the relationship dynamic is. Some things can be addressed and the conversations might help. Some might not be able to because it lies completely out of your control. And in that case, as a coach, I'm there to be your best advocate and to help you as a sounding board to problem solve and to find a way to work forward. And often when I'm working with individuals at our very first meeting, oh my goodness, it can be emotional. There can be a lot to unpack. But then as we start to make a plan and we start to explore options and we start to harness the best things that we have to 
to work with and to build with, then I start to see shifts. And that person might still be doing the exact same role on the exact same team, but all of a sudden they start to see possibilities and opportunities that they control, that they are in control of. And it starts to make them feel like they are taking steps forward, even though they're in exactly the same place. And so it can be hard often to do that by ourselves. I I thoroughly recommend that everyone not only has a coach, but also has a mentor, someone who is already working in the areas that they work to use as a sounding board as well. We also need other people who can be advocates for us where we work, and we don't always have that. So if we don't have those things, it's really important to identify the gaps and start to work towards building what you do need and also being our own best advocates for ourselves. It's really important. I mentioned non-negotiables before. It's really important to know what your non-negotiables are. And when you, if something crosses a line that is your non-negotiable, it's really important for you to address that because otherwise everything will fall down. If, if you are no longer at work for whatever reason, your employer will find a way to keep moving forward. But your career is yours. The work that we do is ours. Our careers are the most personal and the most valuable investments we'll ever make. So it's really important for us to make sure we set ourselves up for success. This is so empowering to hear that the biggest and the best change that we can make is kind of shifting this locus of control from others to ourselves and that we should be our best advocates. And I think this does help a lot because, again, the most common reason that I've seen among my clients like the emotional reasons for overreaching that are related to careers is actually sometimes feeling this lack of control. And then they turn to food just because, you know, well, I can't control that Josephine, my colleague, is being annoying today again, but at least I can control this chocolate cupcake that I am about to eat. And nothing wrong with eating a chocolate cupcake when you really want the chocolate cupcake. But Josephine shouldn't be the reason you into this chocolate cupcake and it's so good to hear that the best thing you can do is just to shift the control to yourself and kind of focusing on the positive things that and those values that this career is still giving you and um, let's say that we have our dream careers we achieved that we have a career that serves our purpose that serves our values we're very happy with it But very often, even the best of the careers require to push ourselves too hard. And sometimes it becomes so hard to maintain this work-life balance that everyone is talking about. And personally, I find nothing wrong when your career accounts for majority of your life, especially, you know, like you said, like different stages of your life, different age groups, different priorities at different stages of your life, but how to still maintain this work-life balance independently of what stage you're at right now, how to still thrive at work and try to be your best self there and still maintain other aspects of your life, you know, healthy and going. And especially, I find it so hard for women in particular, just, you know, because we're expected to do the household, be the mothers, be the friends, be the girlfriends, and kind of, we sometimes even feel guilty for prioritizing our careers. Yes. Oh my goodness. It is so hard, Arena. And there's no perfect answer to that. 
because especially with everything we've been through over the past few years with the pandemic and everything that so many people are facing now in terms of people maybe losing jobs and, you know, teams and employers being really under-resourced and people having to do perhaps more than ever before just to maintain a job. And then also when you layer in, as you said, additional responsibilities in terms of that you have in your personal life or perhaps to family or to others, and then your own goals. You know, if you if you want to do more and you maybe want to get promoted or you want to take that next step, hard work is a really important part of that. So what I often say to individuals who are perhaps worried that they have the potential to be burning out or it's just so overwhelming and stressful is really looking at not the things they can't control again, but the things that they can. We often put so much emphasis on the things we have to do and getting to work on time, getting to work early, being prepared for an interview for your podcast or me, you know, being ready to meet a client and we know how we have to start a day. Do we have that same intentionality with how we end our day? Where is our boundary for when our work stops in a day? And what are we doing to protect that? And what are we doing to hold space for us? On our to-do lists of all the things that we have to get done, is there a non-negotiable item about what you will do to unwind at the end of the day? I couldn't agree with you more. Like It is so important to put on your list this one activity that helps you relax and unwind because, again, very often overeating happens just because having dinner or eating something is the only way that most of us can sometimes unwind because you can do this, you know, without even leaving your job desk. And I always say that you have to have a list of at least 20 methods because one day maybe a, a massage will work for you. Maybe another day you won't have time for the massage or perhaps you're trying to save some money so you can't go to the massage. But then at least a relaxing bath or even like a nice shower gel with a steamy shower. Like all of these things can help. And I agree with you that we should prioritize it as much as we prioritize everything else. And having this on the to-do list does help a lot. Especially, you know, when you're doing some routine tasks, you look at your to-do list and you have this one thing that you're looking forward at the end of the day. And this kind of keeps you going. And um, this is actually the next question, which I'm very curious of your opinion on. You know, even like in the best and most exciting jobs, we all have some routine and boring tasks that we don't really like doing. For instance, I absolutely hate paying invoices and I absolutely hate doing all my tax returns and all that has to do with accounting. And sometimes you can delegate it, but there are still things that you have to do by yourself. And I've found even myself doing this, even though I am a health coach and inferior, shouldn't be doing it, that whenever I'm working on these boring routine tasks, I very often sneak out to the kitchen just because, you know, it's kind of a distraction and going to eat something provides me with a very legitimate excuse to take a break from this very boring activity that I'm doing. But again, it's kind of going against our natural hunger rhythms and... We're not getting as much pleasure from food as we could when we're doing like this. So do you by any chance have a magical trick how to overcome these boring tasks and how to handle them with 
let's say, better efficiency and better strategies than mine currently are. Yes. So I think remembering what it is about the boring task that matters in terms of the, your own work. But then I always encourage the people that I coach to think in advance versus in the moment about how will they reward themselves in a positive, healthy way for things that they do that are invisible maybe to others, but are either hard for them or really matter. And think about that in advance, visualize that in advance, do the the hard thing or the boring thing, and then find a way to recognize that in a way that isn't necessarily eating something that you shouldn't, but actually something that makes you feel proud. And, you know, and remembering that these boring tasks matter for a reason and that it's helping support you on the things that really excite you and that and it's powering and fueling all of that and I think finding a way to reward and recognize yourself for that whether it's like if I finish my invoices ahead of schedule you know four times in a row I'm going to take an hour and go for a walk or do something or read a book that's you know, exciting for me or whatever the thing is. Um, That's the way that I work through it, doing the worst first. (laughs) And And then having something that's really empowering to me to recognize that um it's because no one's going to pat you on the back for doing your invoices but you also know what happens if you don't do those it's just going to add even more stress so it's just remembering to be proud of yourself for doing those things and for continuing to push through okay next time i will be doing in my invoices i will remind myself that here in london you know the daylight is still very scarce and that if I finish it before free, I will take the rest of the day off and I'll go and enjoy this sunlight while I still can. That's a very good advice. I think I might even do it today or tomorrow. And um, another question that I have is, again, it's like a parallel between what I do and what you do. You know, sometimes like when clients come to me and they want to change everything overnight, like tomorrow they want to wake up a completely changed and healthy person. And then sometimes their goals, when they're related to health, they're so overwhelming that when they don't achieve them, they kind of again lose this motivation and lose track, but not because they did bad, but just because the goals were too high and because they were too unreasonable and too overwhelming and I very often find when you know I talk to my friends who work at like more corporate jobs like who work in finance or who are lawyers and who want to become like partners um, one year from now uh, that we also sometimes have this like sometimes a little bit unrealistic goals and just how to set, I would say, reasonable and realistic goals when we're talking about our careers, but which still excite us and still make us dream, but don't make us feel overwhelmed or scared. Yeah, um, very, very few things that matter, Arena, happen immediately or overnight or within a week. And it's only with the benefit of hindsight that we can look back on what it took to get to whatever moment matters for us. And when you're in the thick of it or what feels like the beginning or in the phase that isn't working, it can be really hard to have that perspective. I think it's so important to continually track your progress, not to make you feel bad, but to make you remember that you're on a journey. 
And that journey will have some better days <laughs> and maybe some not so good days, but it's really important to do. One practice that I have, I'm absolutely obsessed with Pinterest. It's just my favorite, favorite platform for many, many reasons. But I make a habit of taking little screenshots of things that excite me or things that I'm proud of or things that I've done in the moment. And I save them in a secret board. And at the end of the year, I go back and I look at it. And when I look back visually, because it's not a list, it's like an actual visual representation, I see so much progress that I've made. And especially when I was working to become an author, I knew what I wanted the end goal to look like. I actually didn't know if I was going to hit that end goal, but I just wanted to see what would happen if I didn't give up. And when I look back on the boards that I had over those years when I was working towards it, oh my goodness, I was I was moving in the right direction. And now I have the proof. I, I actually have a book that I can hold, but I didn't have a book that I could hold until right at the end of like a four-year process. And there were definitely times when I was like, this isn't working or I'm not going to be able to do this or this is really hard. But when I look back on all of that progress, that if I'd known then what I know now, I'd have been like, yes. <laughs> but in the moments, it was really, really hard. But just I, I just decided that I'm going to track my progress anyway and I'm just going to keep taking the next step. And if something didn't work, tomorrow's a new day. Get some help, do more research, keep pitching depending on what stage I was at in on my journey and and that's what I committed to do but I just refused to give up on myself even if it wasn't going the way that I wanted to do and that really helped me because with the benefit of hindsight you can then look back and realize how far you've come I think it is really so important to celebrate like the small victories and just the entire journey itself and to kind of like you say sometimes look back and just see how far you've actually come because again like talking about perfectionism that we've mentioned earlier sometimes when we strive for perfection we really kind of underappreciate the work that we have already done towards reaching our goals and it is so so important to look back and just feel grateful to yourself for all of that hard work that you've done to become who you are today i agree and another thing i would add is it's not a race and often not always but often we're comparing ourselves to others and that happens in careers too you know career envy is real we see people who are where we want to be or we feel like maybe are moving faster than us but we don't know the realities of their journeys and we don't know what it's taken and guaranteed there'll be someone who has looked at you either now or at some point and wanted to be where you are too and so we have to remember that don't compare yourself to others it's not a race just focus on your next steps that is a very good one especially because i feel like when you race You know, like even like when talking about a car, when we're driving very quickly, when we're racing, we don't really get to enjoy the view. But like when we're slowing down, that's when we actually enjoy the beautiful scenery. And perhaps this is also one of the ways to maintain this work-life balance is to sometimes slow down and just, you know, enjoy the view and not race the whole time. And another instance which I see among my clients when they're overeating for 
reasons that are associated with our professional lives is stress. And I think that a little bit of stress can actually be productive because sometimes, you know, it activates our brain cells, it makes us think quicker, better, gives us energy, but chronic stress is never good and it wears our bodies off, it causes inflammation. There are so many adverse health results of chronic stress, but as well, it leads to burnout that we've talked before. And um, even I'm sometimes feeling stress and I'm not even close to being an executive of Google or, you know, General Motors or other executives that you worked with. And I was just wondering what helps you and what helps your clients and what helps those top executives to kind of deal with this everyday stress? Because I feel like very often it is actually our own attitude to it that accelerates the stress. Yes. So there's two things I would say. If in the moment you find yourself in suddenly a very stressful situation, you know, a deadline suddenly comes in or a really difficult meeting, breathing exercises are absolutely incredible just to help you recalibrate just in that moment, in that moment. Breathing, oh my goodness, is such a powerful thing to be able to do. But bigger picture Arena, you've got to put your own mask first on first, because if you don't put your own mask on first, everything falls down. And when I say put your own mask on first, think about the fundamentals that you need to make sure you're taking the best care of you, whether it's in stressful times or in calmer times, these foundations have to be resolute. And these will vary depending on who you are, but they should include the right amounts of sleep, movement, the nutrition, all of the things that make you your healthiest because you need to make sure those foundations are strong because if those foundations are weak and then you're adding additional stress on top of those things, everything will fall down. And you're absolutely right. Stress on an ongoing basis, of course, can higher blood pressure, all sorts of underlying health issues that might not even be immediately visible. You might, yes, find yourself having headaches and migraines, but who knows what else is also going on inside of you that you can't immediately feel and see. So it's so important. Go take a walk. Go for a run. Do whatever favorite movement thing that you've perhaps been putting off because you've been so busy. Go make the time and do it. And try and make those things a habit versus something that you just do when you're like, oh, I'm stressed, I've got to do something. Set yourself up for success on an ongoing basis and prioritize that for yourself because there's always going to be other things that are going to take your time and your attention. You have to do that for you. I really appreciate this attitude of making health your priority and prioritizing this and just making it and doing it because very often I feel like people postpone doing all of these activities you know like going for a walk or having a bath or meditating for 10 minutes or getting some sunlight in or maybe making a homemade meal because I feel like all of these activities are occupying too much time but I feel like when you don't invest in those particular activities that's when you are actually robbing yourself of time because eventually you will be much more burnt out and eventually you will 
feel very less energy and you will feel much less motivated and then eventually you will be more productive. So in order to be more productive, you actually have to spend time on all of those activities and then you will be your absolute best self. And when you said about like all this like routine things, it's also so essential because I feel like, you know, when you create these healthy habits, they can truly and really become the foundation and basis of who you are. And you can create them when, you know, the times are calm and it's a calm sea, but they are basically designed to support you when there is storm. Because this is something that you can basically fall back onto. Something that will help you to maintain this balance and not just completely crash and collapse. One of my favorites one, and it sounds very cliche and very generic, warm lemon water in the morning. It's what all of us are doing, especially in LA where people are so, so healthy. But I honestly swear by this ritual because it just it's five minutes, but they provide me with this calmness and stillness before any day, no matter how stressful the day is going to be, you know, at least I have this five, ten minutes to kind of get myself prepared. So it's, I'm so happy that you've mentioned it. I'm so excited when people who are non, from non, like, let's say, health or nutritional backgrounds still appreciate all the benefits that all of these habits can give us. It's so important. And what you said in a nutshell is just prioritizing you. And if you can't pro- find time to prioritize you at the start of your day or at the end of your day, you're doing yourself a disservice. And no matter how much you love your career or your work, you still have to make sure you have those fundamentals in place, not just when times are difficult. But also when times are good, because that's how the habits of things get created. It's all about consistency, whether it's your career or health or wellness or anything else. And just to wrap this amazing conversation up, like when you look back at yourself when you were still working in public relations and when you were still on this very beginning of this beautiful journey to be where you are today, what is one piece of advice that you wish someone gave you or that you could give yourself if you could travel in time? Oh, I love that question. If I could go back in time and talk to Octavia back then, and also to anyone who feels that they're stuck and not where they wanna be, I would say, know your worth, even if it's not being reflected back at you. That's a very, very beautiful one. I feel like very often at our jobs or whatever we're doing, we are sometimes feeling underappreciated or unseen, or that all the hard work that we put in goes unnoticed, and that other people for some reason are getting more but we are doing more and we are getting less. So how to cope with this feeling of being underappreciated or unseen? Yeah, and often, Arena, it's not just a feeling, it's fact, especially for women in the (laughs) workplace. You know, visibility and what we earn, you know, what women earn compared to men almost across every industry sector, it's just appalling. It could potentially take more than 100 years to close the gender pay gap. So these things are real. So the first thing is to really think about what do I want to be known for? And it's so important to keep track of what you do and your accomplishments. Don't wait until you have your performance review meeting, which might happen only once a year. Make sure you are taking time at the end of each week 
to jot down things that you have done. At the end of each month, reviewing that list, circling the things that really matter. If you have one-on-one meetings with your manager, make sure that you're coming into those meetings thinking, what do I want this person to walk away knowing about what I have done, what I want to do next, and using those conversations to your advantage. Don't wait until you have that once a year meeting to talk about everything that you have done. Because I know from when I was working in corporate corporations and had teams, a lot of the decisions are made before that performance review meeting. The conversations are being had about you and your work and your contribution and giving you a score for, you know, your before that meeting. So if you wait till that meeting to bring all the things that you've done, it might be having that conversation actually late, even though you think, well, that's the purpose of the meeting. You need to be cementing what you're doing and yourself so that you are aggregating it. Because I remember you'd wait for that meeting and then you'd think, what have I done for the year? Oh my gosh, and you have to spend like a couple of days going back and thinking about what you've done. Don't do that. Make sure on a regular basis you are tracking your accomplishments and then be ready to talk about those accomplishments with confidence and pride. That's a very good advice. Talk about your accomplishments with confidence and pride. And if you have this gut feeling that you're underappreciated, sometimes it is a reality. And you do have to trust your senses. Well, I just want to thank you so much for this conversation because even I myself learned so much from it and there are so many things that I'm going to implement. And I've also learned so much from your book, which I'm so happy that you published. Even if it took you four years to get it done, I feel like you've just like took all of your experience and put it out there and it's incredible. And um, I hope that this conversation will also be useful to the listeners who are maybe struggling with their careers or maybe with their jobs or working environment or feeling of self-worth. And all of this is driving even like overeating or other unhealthy habits. And I hope that it will be useful to them as well and they will start implementing it. Thank you so much for your energy and thank you so much for what, what you do. It's been incredible having you. Oh, thank you so much, Irina. It's been my pleasure. 